podcast. I'm Owen Poindexter. And I'm Jim Pugh. We are here with you today with a discussion episode. So we are going to be going through a number of different high-level issues and asking ourselves and each other, does basic income solve that issue? I think this is something that we touch on often in conversations on basic income, covering what areas basic income might make a big difference in people's lives. But Owen and I were talking and really thinking that there hasn't been a clear discussion on four specific areas. Is basic income actually the answer to this problem? Is it not the answer? Is it part of the answer? And so we thought it could be good to just really talk that through in a number of different directions. So um, let's jump in. First one, Jim, would you say basic income solves poverty? I would say partially. What about you? I said yes. So, yeah. All right, you go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I say partially is that I, when, when talking to people, I typically say basic income solves absolute poverty. Mm-hmm. This idea that, you I mean, there are people out there who are in destitution, who can't afford their basic needs, and that if they were getting unconditional cash every month, they could. And so in that respect, yes. The reason I said partially is because if you're talking about actually eradicating poverty, I do think there's more to it Mm -hmm. than just making sure that people can cover their needs on an ongoing basis. I mean, if you look at social work and and what it means to have a pathway out of poverty, there are more steps to that. Mm -hmm. Um, There's understanding the language of the middle class. A great book that was recommended to me recently is Bridges Out of Poverty. And it actually talks about some of the barriers that we don't even realize are there a lot of the time. And so I think that I see basic income providing that floor which is a necessary step to get out of poverty and and to keep people from falling into destitution. But I actually think we will need more than that if if we want to have everyone fully included in the economy. Yeah, I guess I was thinking partly just on a sort of strict definitional level, if you can get above the poverty line, you are technically out of (laughs) poverty. But going a little bit further than that, the sorts of effects you see with cash transfer programs are the resolving of the symptoms of poverty. You know, people have better educational outcomes, um, you know, better healthcare outcomes. So that starts to convince me that the problem is lack of cash. Mm-hmm. And when you provide cash, then, you know, we, maybe you're, not all your problems are solved, but the damage done by poverty itself starts to heal up. Yeah, I think that's a, a good point. And, and an important thing to note is if we're talking about multi-generational effects, then maybe basic income does solve it. Because if you know that children are growing up with enough money to cover basic needs, maybe that could be enough to, to break the cycle of intergenerational, intergenerational poverty on its own. Yeah, and you do see some some positive effects on long-term earnings just with, with some cash transfers, some cash stipends. All right, so next up on the list is wealth inequality. Owen, what say you? I said it takes a little of the edge off, but no. <laughs> I also said no. Yeah. What I mean by that is basically it helps deal with the you know, lowest ends of poverty. But unless you're just doing a truly aggressive Robin Hood style taxation system, you know, the, the rich are still going to be super rich. The poor are gonna, still going to be pretty poor. I think something that gets missed sometimes both amongst basic income advocates thinking that suddenly all that will suddenly somehow go away. Right, yeah. um, and I, I think it's also a, a big concern that, that people who are skeptical of the policy have is that if, if the proponents are, are adopting that more u- utopian perspective on, on what it will accomplish, that we may, we may miss 
what else we need to do in order to, to deal with the other issues in society. But yeah, I mean, if you look at the situation we're in, it is, what, eight people in the world have as much as the bottom right, yeah, the bottom half, half or together. Yeah. It's like giving everyone the basic income in no way, shape, or form is actually going to Yeah, you wouldn't notice it like, like that needle. Mostly yeah. equal amounts. Yeah. But I, I mean, I, I said no, but I do think it's worth pointing out that the more we can provide people a pathway to inclusion in society, the more opportunities that we could be granted. And so even if we're not on directly addressing wealth inequality, maybe we can be increasing economic mobility, right. which means that more people have a chance to accumulate mm-hmm. wealth over time. Yeah. And if you start to think about, okay, well, why is wealth inequality bad? And, you know, not going to jump down that rabbit hole. But yeah, some of that starts to get a little better. And, you know, we usually don't talk about the like more utopian dreams of basic income where it's not just, you know, $12,000, but like 25, you know, 30, maybe something like that, $1,000 a year per person, uh, which it just feels far enough down the future that it's not even worth talking about. But that's maybe where you would start to say, okay, like this is starting to solve wealth inequality. But you know, that's <laughs> we're we're focused on on twelve or even less right now. So, all right, Jim, how about automation? I I'm gonna say partially. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, yeah, also partial. Yeah, I I honestly debated between no and partially because mm-hmm. I think we've talked about this before. But if we actually end up in a situation where most jobs have been automated and there really isn't enough work for everyone. Just giving people enough cash to survive is not yeah. nowhere near a sufficient solution. Mm-hmm. That, again, it makes sure that people don't starve, but work has been so central to giving meaning to people's lives that we, we actually need to think about what are some other changes to the way we approach our lives. Um, and this doesn't necessarily have to come from the policy world, but if we're in that world, there's a lot of rethinking we're going to have to do. And basic income, I think, is necessary, but it won't be sufficient. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I'm in the same place. And even beyond just the finding meaning in your life, if you're making, whatever, $60,000 a year, um, maybe driving a truck, to use the classic example, and your job gets automated away, and you have trouble finding work, but you've got $12,000 a year, okay, yeah, that's that's <laughs> not... <laughs> that's That's... You know, you're not living the same life. Um, And if especially, you know, let's say you're in your 50s and your job goes away and you're having a hard time finding a new job. Now we're talking about living on a basic income indefinitely. And, yeah, uh, the amounts we talk about just aren't sufficient to um, solve the problem. I think it's something, you know. Yeah. It's it's better than nothing. So that's why I said partial. It's, you know. Because right now you get, you know, six months of unemployment mm-hmm. and uh, then you're kind of on your own. So it, it's better than that, but it's certainly not everything. So next up on the list, we had problems with the social safety net. So I said partial and that'll require some more explanation. But uh, what were you thinking? Uh, I said it depends, but you can okay. yeah, it's, it's, This might be similar answers here. So first of all, okay, what problems are we referring to with the social safety net? There are the issues sort of surrounding bureaucracy where maybe some people who qualify for various means-tested benefits don't end up receiving them because they don't know that they qualify or they, you know, maybe they choose not to fill out the paperwork or they're made uncomfortable by the paperwork. Um, and then the paperwork itself creates a ton of bureaucracy that 
is not particularly helpful to society beyond, you know, creating this filter that, you know, where some people get benefits and some people don't. And then there's the issue that, you know, whenever you're means testing, you're probably leaving out some people who are needy in the same way, um, but aren't receiving those benefits. And also for some, there's a work disincentive as you earn more money, the benefits phase out. And so there's an effective tax on your earnings, at least for a while. So does basic income solve those? It could, but if you are just eliminating all those other programs and replacing them with a basic income, you're probably creating a lot more problems and probably hurting a lot of the people who do benefit from those programs. Because, you know, for all the all the issues with things, you know, let's say like the earned income tax credit and, you know, anything else you can think of, unemployment insurance, they do keep a lot of people out of poverty. They do a lot of the things that basic income is good for. And those are the people who are most in need. So yes, on like a sort of, on one level, basic income doesn't have those issues, but it is not targeted. And so it's maybe creating other issues that those programs address. The reason I said depends, and I think, yeah, we share a a lot of perspectives on this, but I, I think it very much the type of basic income you enact is going to matter a great deal on this front. We've talked about this before, but if you actually were pursuing a basic income that got rid of all the programs we had today and, and just gave people cash, then no, that definitely right. does not solve it and perhaps makes it even worse just because some people you may leave far worse off than they are today. If instead you had a basic income in in addition or as a supplement to to what we have now, providing that universal floor that really acts as a backbone. And again, it won't solve absolutely every problem, but that could make a world of difference as far as actually ensuring that people are getting the support they need beyond what exists today. I'm totally with you on that. I do think there are programs we might eventually think about cashing out um, down the road if they're proven to be pretty much redundant with the basic income. Um, but yeah, I would want to see the evidence for that in right. reality as opposed to just what we think. Mm-hmm. Let's not start with. a discussion on getting rid of the social safety net until we right. actually have something clearly better. Yeah, right. Okay. So Jim, does basic income solve healthcare? Big fat no for me on this. Yeah, same. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that that's... And I don't see too many proposals for it out there, but... There are some people who have talked about basic income as, as a replacement, not only for a lot of the general means-tested programs that we have today, but also for all government assistance on healthcare. And I think that would be pretty disastrous. Why don't you share your thoughts? I'm pretty much in, in the same spot there. If healthcare was something where it was like your, your rent or something, where you just needed to pay a little bit on a regular basis and it was predictable and... You, then you were good. Then you healthcare was solved. Then okay. Then that's that's kind of what we're talking about here. But obviously, healthcare is nothing like that. It's something where you know, maybe you have your annual checkup, but it's it comes in big giant spurts when you actually need it, and it's unexpected, and you can't really plan for it beyond having insurance. Yeah, my perspective is that we really should be aiming for for a single payer system. I mean, we see with Medicare today that's actually an incredibly efficient government program. The overhead costs on that are very, very low, far lower than private insurance, and is actually providing people with quality health care. So we already know something that works well here. And we see examples in other countries of of how effective that can be. So rather than trying to 
fit a square peg into a round hole with yeah. using unconditional cash for this. Let's actually go with what works. Right. And part of the reason it, it works as well as it does Medicare for all type systems or Medicare itself is that you have more bargaining power if you mm-hmm. are the government, you, if you're negotiating prescription drug prices, say, and you ha- you represent millions and millions of patients, that's excellent bargaining power. Whereas if the more segmented it is, the, uh, the higher those prices go. Last one we have on the list, does basic income solve housing affordability? So I said in some places. Uh-huh. Um, I I didn't write down a simple answer to this. I said <laughs> probably more than it gets credit for, but I guess partial would be my, my okay. one-word answer. I, I mean, I think my, my perspective on this ties back to what we were talking about last week or two weeks ago around the dangers of inflation on basic income. Right. I think if you could enact a basic income and, and knew that uh, housing costs are the same, then it doesn't solve it completely, but it makes a big difference. Right. Um, I think the trick with housing is that you end up with such odd geographical effects. Mm-hmm. We see this firsthand here in the Bay Area because the housing supply is so much more limited than the demand is for it. And so you end up with these exorbitant rents. And you could imagine, like, and, and basically it's distorting the market. Mm-hmm. And so with the distorted market, it's hard to know what exactly will happen. And so maybe we would have some weird effects where prices could go up significantly if, if people were getting a basic income. But based on uh, based on the evidence from uh, this study that was run in Mexico that we talked about previously, when you do have a market for goods, it seems like providing people with extra cash doesn't cause inflation. And so anywhere where you actually had enough supply and demand on, on both sides, probably that extra cash is going to really make a difference for people. Right. Yeah. I think some people assume if everyone gets $1,000, landlords just like en masse raise their rent $1,000 and it, they just soak it all up. And yeah, you could imagine situations where that could happen. But I think, you know, it's not like there's a, a big, I mean, I've, I don't know of a landlord secret society where they can all collude like that. And so, yeah, if you've got a good market, I think you're okay. In a crazy distorted market like the one we're in in the Bay Area, I, I think the forces that are causing that distortion are a lot bigger in some cases than the, a basic income would be. And so in some markets around here, I don't think you'd really see it. I think you'd really have to watch for it in limited supply, low income housing, where the people providing those have mm-hmm. a sense of how much money they're tenants are taking in on a regular basis and would be able to adjust based on that. So I think you would need kind of some some parallel laws around protecting those renters. All right. That was everything that we decided to cover for this episode. One thing that came to mind as, as we were talking through this is a, a quote from my colleague, Sandhya Nantharaman, the other co-director at the Universal Income Project. She had said at a conference recently that Basic income doesn't solve every problem, but it makes every problem easier to solve. And I think there is a lot of truth to that. I think that so much so much of what we're struggling with in society, you can trace back at least aspects of it that stem from people being in absolute poverty. And basic income really does make a difference there. Yeah, and that's what I find most heartening about the research that we've seen from various basic income studies is it isn't just 
you're out of abject poverty, but everything else is the same. You do see a lot of improvement in a lot of other fields. And you also see it in our answers, which were partial to almost everything. Yeah. No on healthcare. I said yes to poverty, <laughs> but it was sort of a, a modulated yes. So yeah, it does make a lot, having a little more money makes a lot of life a lot easier, but you, you still have your life. You still have your problems. Yeah. All right. Thank you for listening to the Basic Income Podcast. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or the service of your choice. And also, if you could take the time to leave us a rating or a review, that helps other people find the podcast as well. Thank you to our producer, Eric Davidson, and we'll see you next week.